0: Now, what happens, please, will you welcome to the stage, the amazing Katie John-Wentz. After all the effort you took to put it back in there, I'll throw it away again. This isn't the second half of my first <laughs> True Stories life, and I'm going to sit down because I've got a dodgy leg. Um, my, I've been, I wanted to do the last one, actually, too much information, but I was told I couldn't come back so soon. Um, and you'll probably be relieved to know, because my middle name is too much information, and it would have been one of those really embarrassing, gruesome medical detail stories. Um, and I thought, well, can I can I shoehorn my kind of whole life journey into many miles to go? And I thought, well, well yes, in many respects I could, because I spent most of my life saying, are we nearly there yet, with regard to gender? <laughs> and 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 I thought, well, no, I don't want to do that today, because I kind of feel I've actually arrived there. It's not a place on any gender map anyone else has ever seen. It's one of those maps of old where, like, here be boys, here be girls, and here be dragons. And and that would be me. Um, So I identify as a dragon. Um, Thank you. It beats unicorns. You know, they're they're, they're last year. Um, (laughs) So I thought I'd tell one of my travel stories. And back in my 30s, which is some time in the past now, I did do quite a lot of traveling around the Middle East for some ex-fundamentalist Christian reason. I learned Hebrew, Greek, and Arabic. And I traveled the Middle East and Africa a lot and did a lot of study of archaeology and things. And I thought I could tell one of those stories. I mean, I got interrogated in Israel um, because they thought I was a Palestinian terrorist. Um, I don't look like a Palestinian terrorist, whatever they look like, which is not a stereotype either. And then I thought, well, okay, what else happened when I was out there? Well, I stroked a crocodile in Kenya that I thought was asleep and wasn't. So, okay, won't tell that one. I busted through a border with a Bedouin in the Sinai. No, won't tell that one. Um, I took an airline across the Sahara, and it was called Orca Airlines. Who names an airline after a killer whale? And it had like bucket seats, and I mean by seats, that were like upturned buckets and barely a seat belt. You had a seat belt, and you thought, where do you strap? Where does it attach to? There's nowhere for it to go. And seriously, there were seat belts hanging off the side of the airplane, and no sockets for the seatbelts. And I thought, this isn't going to go well. Um, and uh, well, I, I played um, played pool with Maasai warriors. Um, I won. And it, I, had to buy, I had to buy them a round of drinks as a cost. And they so, I said, what do you want, a round of drinks? And they said, yes, please. So I said, what do you want? And they said, oh, Guinness, please. I think, Guinness? And they said, yeah, it's got the most amount of iron in it, because we're not allowed to drink blood from lions anymore and things. Um, <laughs> and, and then I had to pay to get off a camel um, in Cairo. Some of you may have mis- misheard that. Get, not get off with a camel. It, I, I was a foolish, naive tourist. I got on a camel and forgot to ask how much. And it meant that at the end of an hour or so on a camel, they actually charged you to get off it. And you had to barter your way down. Um, so I thought, OK, those are, those are all great fun stories. And I love telling funny stories. But you know, to avoid my own um, mental health journeys, I thought I was going to stick to what I know, what's recent, what I can actually remember, because I'm getting old and forgetting things. And um, I thought, I'll tell something that's happened literally a couple of weeks ago, because I can't forget that. And um, and I can't actually see when my time limit is up, so we will ignore that bit. I'll turn this face to you. I'm fine. Good. And I've got credit from last time, anyway. And <laughs> um, <coughs> uh, we haven't even started the story yet. This is the preamble to working out what story I'm going to tell you, um, which I wrote down and have forgotten already. Um, but So instead of my actual travel map and taking it literally, or my actual metaphorical map and doing my inner gender journey, um, I'm just gonna tell you something, as I say, very recently. So I spent the last 10 years, as I say, navigating my gender, which meant I didn't go abroad for 10 years. Um, I also didn't have a passport. My passport didn't match my gender, so it's gonna get in trouble anyway. Um, but this year, for the first time, I have started traveling again for a kind of a new job I've got. And it's been utterly amazing. And except for the fact that I seem to have increased my kind of collection of mental health issues that I have um, so OCDs and anxiety disorders and bipolar mean that now travel is petrifying for me. And yet at the same time, it's what I want to do again. I made a decision that by the time I was 50, if I couldn't make up my mind about gender, I'd just do it anyway. And once I got to 50, I would then start traveling again. But I would travel as a spy now because I now have a new identity. And I'd always wanted to be a spy. My great uncle was a spy in Yugoslavia in the Second World War, was Tito's personal interpreter. And um, I always thought, you know, I want to be a spy. And everyone's watching, you know, the bodyguard and Killing Eve now. And I'm thinking, ah, that's me. I want to be that. No. I I realized that when I next go back to America, where I last went nine years ago, uh, which is where the story's heading, uh, um, you know, there might be a few problems, because the last time I went to America, I had a male passport, they fingerprinted me, took pictures and all the rest. They, te- they did question me in America last time, because I was going back apparently too frequently last time to date this rather lovely girl um, in San Francisco. Um, the songs go through my mind already now. Um, but the I figured if I was going to go back this time, what's going to happen? Because my passport and gender identity had all changed now. They're going to like look at the fingerprints, gender's changed shit, what's going to happen? So I had to fill out one of these kind of pre-immigration, visa things online, and it's all been updated by a certain current president out there um, who's got amazing names, I discovered from Americans. He's the chief Watsit, the chief, chief Cheesio, and all these other things. Um, there's some f- fantastic creativity on people's Wi-Fi networks when I stayed out there. You know, dissing the president by naming your Wi-Fi network after some derogatory term for him. So I was just logging onto Wi-Fi networks, and it was like this is the way they were. This is the way they're kind of taking it back. Um, and I had th- the thing is, it's changed these visa things. The old one used to say, "Are you a terrorist?" Well, you're not going to answer yes, are you? And "Are you a Nazi?" And "Do you do naughty things to children?" Nobody who does those things is going to fill that in. But what they do now is they want your mental health status. They also want your social media handles. Well, my so my mental health status wouldn't fit on the page, so don't do that one. Um, and also, you can't get travel insurance once you reveal that, so I thought, fuck it. Um, and the social media handles, where I thought, well, the last thing I wrote in my blog was the speech I did at an anti-Donald Trump rally in Norwich, so <laughs> that's not gonna go down well either, so I lied to get into America. Um, <laughs> thank you. <That's> <laughs> and I actually did love it, and it blew my mind to meet people out there, including Donald Trump supporters who weren't what I expected. Um, and people said, well, I just couldn't vote for Hillary either. And it was a really big dilemma. But I, I, I renewed my, my love, actually, of America and the variety that is there. It's, it's, a, it's a country of many countries, many states and things. Um, I flew into Chicago um, as part of the job I was doing out there, doing some training. And I, the person who was organizing my visit out there said, well, I found you somewhere to stay. She's a lovely Turkish Muslim and architect got a lovely flat, so and she put me up in this amazing 12th floor condo with a massive view over Chicago, um, She gave me free tickets to go up to the Sky Deck, which is the 103rd floor of what used to be the world's tallest building, and I got to step out on this glass balcony um, and, and look down at Chicago beneath you, which is enough to make you feel like either a speck of dust or on top of the world, or vertigo panic shit, what's going on, it's glass underneath me doing all of this for the first few days out there with my trusty Doc Martins. Um, for those of you in the back row can't see them, um, these are Rorschach Doc Martins, anyone with a psychology degree knows what I'm talking about. Um, they're the ink blot test, so if you look in them and you see puppies, you're fine. If you see kind of serial killers, you're a psychopath and you shouldn't be let out. They started about a dozen conversations on my journey around America. People were literally saying, oh my God, I love your boots. Now, one guy said that, and I thought he said, I love your boobs, so I did have to check him on that one just to make sure what he was talking about. But I do have a tendency for talking to random strangers when I'm feeling extrovert. Being bipolar, I also feel incredibly introvert and don't want to talk to anyone. So I got on this plane from Chicago because I had to fly down to San Francisco to do some more training. And I was anxious as hell. There was a very tight frame of time to travel another 2,000 miles within America, drive 200 miles at the far end to get and deliver this training. And I'm sitting in Chicago, O'Hare Airport. It was like 6 o'clock in the morning. i would trying to save money because I'd run up already too many Uber bills. Um, and so I walked to the airport virtually with a heavy bag. And, and then the plane was delayed for like three and a half hours because there was lightning on the runway. You know, that it was <laughs> And they said, we can't get on the plane. Everything's metal and it's all going up in smoke. And, and then they said, oh, the lightning stopped, but now it's on fire in San Francisco, where you've got to get to, because they've been having wildfires. The wildfires had mixed with the fog, which is traditionally in San Francisco Bay Area. And it's created this toxic mix out of some kind of teenage chemistry lab that has gone wrong. And we also can't land now. So whilst we can take off, we can't arrive. Um, eventually, I got to leave. Meanwhile, i have been messaging the guy who was me meeting out there. we better come up with a B plan and a C plan and a, and a D plan. And I'm panicking and I'm stressed. Um, I tanked out on Starbucks coffee, but didn't want to leave the check-in desk in case they got called. They wanted desperately to go to the loo, of course. And I got to the check-in desk finally and said, Okay, I'm going to need to go to the loo for one. And and number two, my arthritis in my leg means I've been sat here for like three hours. I'm going to want to get up and walk around to save my pain. And so can I have a different seat? Because I'm a window seat. I want to be stuck in there. And they said, "Um, there's four seats. You can Take your pick. I looked at them and I thought, which one do I pick? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And I thought, oh, random, random thought. Okay, I'll take that one. That's my bra cup size. (laughs) 37D. (laughs) Okay, people subsequently have... Said to me, that's not a real bra cup size. Well, my back's in between two, anyway. <laughs> so I chose that one, and this is how the story. And the story is really about coincidence. Um, see, I'm, this is a story just starting now. <laughs> it's a quick one though. Now I timed it. It's only about six minutes. Have I got six left? No, whatever. I <laughs> will talk really, really fast now, and um, <laughs> and that meant that my. My destiny on the plane was down to the the random allocation of my bra cup size uh, and where I was going to sit. And I was also very lucky, because there was no seat. It was empty next to me. And the seat beyond that, there was a rather beautiful girl in a spaghetti string vest top and ripped jeans. I thought, well, that's going to be nice to enjoy sitting next to, but one too. And I've got a seat next to me, so if I need to put my feet up, I can relax. And then the American Airlines crew come around, because we were in super, super, super economy. And they charge you for everything. So they came around and offered us breakfast for money. And um, I looked at it, looked at what I could afford, and said, OK, I'll have the, um, the tacos for breakfast. Because um, everywhere in America is Mexican, even if not Donald Trump doesn't like Mexicans. Everywhere is Mexican in America. Um, so it's Mexican breakfast. And then the uh, stewardess turns to the person in the window seat, and she says, and well, what would you like, madam? And she said, oh, I'd like the breakfast tacos too, please. And she said, oh, I'm so sorry. This lady's just had the last one. And so I turned to her, being nice and British and polite and generous, and said, would you like to share my tacos? Great opening Um, (laughs) line. And there were two of them. I said, you can have one, I'll have another. She said, oh, my God, are you serious? I said, yes. I'm always serious. Um, And she said, um, oh, well, maybe I should get something, and then you and I can share that too. So how how does cheese and crackers sound? I said, fabulous. So we then spent a four and a half hour flight having a picnic. Um, And because we had this missing seat between us, She then sort of twisted and got up like this, and I got up like that, and we sat down and had this picnic journey, and so she asked me, so what are you doing in America? And I said, well, I'm working for something called the Human Library, and I'm traveling down to do some training, just been staying in Chicago doing something similar. And she said, oh, well, what's all that about then? So I began to tell her what it was all about. It's about, you know, crushing stereotypes and prejudice and stigmas and things like that. And um, she said, wow, that sounds really interesting. Can we do it now? I said, "What, what do you mean, do it now? She said, well, you know, if you're a human library book, can I read you right now? In fact, can I be one? I said, yeah, sure, you can be one. But um... we well, said, so can we go now? I said, oh, okay. She said, can I go first? I said, well, you don't know what it's about yet, so how can you go first? She said, okay, maybe I'll go first. You read me, then I'll do some spontaneous in-flight training, which is what I'm here to do. And then afterwards, you can go. She said, yeah, deal. And I said, she said, okay, what books have you been? I said, well, I've been ex-fundamentalist missionary, I've been suicide survivor, been anxiety disorder, been non-binary, been bipolar, been anxiety disorder. So transgender, transgender, can we do transgender? I said, yeah, okay, we'll do transgender. So it was kind of lucky that most people were, you know, watching the in-flight movie. Because, <laughs> as I say, if, you'd, if I had have done too much information last month, you'd have got the full medical detail. And the people in the row in front and the row behind fortunately had, I'm assuming, mostly had headphones on watching the nice movies while we were talking intimate medical detail because it turned out she was a nurse so was absolutely interested in all the gross detail about vaginoplasties and labioplasties and everplasties and chicken pasties and whatever. Um, <laughs> and so she was just like grilling me for detail and the whole gender journey and pediatrics when I was a kid and the fact they couldn't work out my gender when I was born, all these things. So she was lapping up all the detail. And we also talked about Donald Trump and love and relationships and jealousy and trust and a bunch of things that were sweet like that as well. Um, and then we switched. I gave her a little quick training on board to justify my tax deductible flight. And, um, and then I found out about her, and she was a Turkish Muslim on her way to something called Burning Man. Has anyone heard of Burning Man? <laughs> right, OK, so for those who haven't, which doesn't sound like too few of you, Burning Man is like uh, a temporary utopian Uh, community set up in the desert in Nevada that can get a little bit kind of hedonistic and crazy and semi-naked and things like that but especially very dusty but it's not the sort of thing you would especially expect your Turkish Muslims to necessarily be going to and this is me breaking my stereotypes Um, so I was she was discovering that all transgender people are like x y or Z, and I was discovering not all Muslims are like x y or Z either and so she was off to it. The funny thing is, though, the person I'd stayed with in Chicago, the Turkish Muslim architect, um, living in this big, tall condo building, was also on her way to Burning Man, Nevada. And Now, these were definitely two different people. I wasn't kind of not lack of sleep, not working out what was going on. Um, but we got talking, so she was telling me why she was going to that. She told me about her faith, the, how she interpreted it liberally, and various other things. And it was a fascinating getting to know her and demolish, as I say, my expectations and stereotypes and then i mentioned the fact that this other turkish muslim i stayed with in chicago was also on the way to burning man and i said i've been staying in a place called north sheridan drive she said no way i said what way she said no way i stayed on north i live on north sheridan drive too i said where do you live i said i stayed at 5455 she said i live at 5453 or whatever it is i said the sister building of the one i stayed in for two days now there are it's like one of those one in a million things, except it's not one in a million because there's three million in Chicago, so it's one in three million. I end up sat next to the, on the plane the person who was living in the building next to the person I stayed with, and she knows the person who I stayed with. Um, and she said, "Next time you come to Chicago, you've got to stay with me." I said, "But the other one's going to get offended if I don't stay with her." So I've now got two Turkish Muslims in Chicago in twin ta- twin neighbouring tower blocks fighting over which one I get to stay with next time. Um, and we just had a, a beautiful journey, really, just getting to know each other. At the end of the, the flight, we hugged. We went all the way to kind of car rental together um, and became huge friends, really. We stayed in contact already since. And it's been absolutely fabulous. I mean, what it taught me, though, and what life continues to teach me is, you know, share your taco with a stranger. You just don't know what will happen. John Wentz. True Stories Live is a story show and story finding project brought to you by LJ Hope Productions Norwich Arts Centre and me Molly Naylor For more information about all of the work that we do, head to our website, truestorieslive.co.uk. We're super grateful to be supported by Arts Council England, Norfolk County Council and Writer Centre Norwich.